TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Bruce Levine along with Matt Spiegel. We're here for you a bonus 30 minutes today talking baseball and in particular your Chicago player of the decade. Both White Sox and Cubs choose at 312-644-6767. We'll share some of your thoughts and ours along with you. Text Matt at 670-11. The top of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. <clears throat> Want to skate on Allstate Arena's ice? The Chicago Wolves are hosting a free skate after tonight's 7 p.m. game against the Texas Stars. For tickets, go to ChicagoWolves.com. Yeah, it is the end of the decade. It's, um, you know, it's weird how mankind has decided to group eternity all the way uh, through low these many centuries. We created a clock and then um, some months and a year and stuff. So it's sort of arbitrary, but here we are at the end of end of 10 years, it's two very different eras within the 10-year span for both the Cubs and the Sox, isn't it? Sox were trying to win uh, for a while, much so, yeah. then they switched gears. Cubs were trying to win for a while, then they switched gears. It's like, it's so weird to think about players from 2011 versus players from 2019 for both these franchises. Yeah, you break down, uh, you know, the end of the Henry era in 2011, enter Epstein Hoyer, um, then you have uh, the tear down and the build up began in 2015 with competitiveness again and the white Sox uh telling you in the summer of 2016 no we are no longer going to add we are beginning our rebuild uh we are starting to trade players off and we are going to do things in a different way and now you have uh these two teams as they presently stand with some question marks around both. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, so my first thought when we when you brought this up to me this morning and we th- started thinking about the White Sox, I had to figure out, all right, how far into the decade did Canerco actually play? Mm-hmm. And the answer is 2014. And in that final year, he was a willing part-time player. So I Canerco can't be in my top two or maybe even top no, three. No, I mean, his impact had lessened at that point anyway. You yeah. know, so he wasn't the player that he was those last couple of years. So uh, from that perspective, you know, I agree with you. He's eliminated on on the Canerico part. And uh, with, with the Chicago Cubs, uh, you know, you had your new influx of players coming on. You had the, the Dempsters and you had the, uh, you know, the top players that they had before uh, – the Epstein era being used for trades and, and people mm-hmm. coming back. And then you had these important players like Arietta and Strope and Hendricks uh, coming on in these important deals. And then John Lester as a free agent. I will make my case that um, even though Anthony Rizzo is certainly the most um Decorated the, the best no. that, the, the best contributor from the point he came on in the trade with San Diego for Kashner in 2012 was that um, I would have to say that John Lester is my Chicago Cub 
most uh, important player of the decade. Ah, important. There we are with the distinction from important to well, best. and contributor. Well, you know, because he was definitely an excellent contributor, but the importance of what he brought, what he represented, and, and the mindset that he brought is massive. And, and just, you know, just delivering. I mean, this is by far Theo Epstein's best free agent acquisition probably of his career. Uh, because of all those things that you just talked about and more, the fact that he did contribute to a team going to the playoffs four years in a row. He did contribute mightily to the team winning a World Series for the first time in 108 years. Hmm. He did bring a different mindset of what Chicago baseball is all about. He did bring the idea that t- the other other free agents – wanted to come to Chicago yep. and be a part of it. All of that. Now, because of all of that, I will put him ahead of Jake Arietta on my list, even though Arietta's performance was better. Uh, Arietta's right. peak was better, the Bob Gibson-esque run that he had. But I'll put Lester ahead of Arietta. To me, though, it's Rizzo because it goes back even further. And yeah. Rizzo's existence during the hard times and being the guy who helped transition to the good times predates Lester, even he, he kind of set the model for what the you know what a young veteran is supposed yeah, to be like. His consistent, uh, if you don't even want to call it greatness, but consistent, outstanding play, yeah, uh, has been. I mean that can't be denied, and and it's it's a great point that you would make for him being the Cub Player of the Decade because. Uh, you know, it's just consistent. It is 25 to 30 home runs. It is 100 RBIs. It is an on-base percentage of 390 plus. It is OPS. It is a gold glover at first base. The captain of that infield. I mean, you know, he is Mr. Cub of that decade. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that. And and he will go down uh, once his career with the Cubs is no longer going, he will go down as one of the greatest Cubs in history. Yeah, and in terms of what he means and meant to Epstein and Hoyer in terms of realizing their vision, it's one of the first things they did. They drafted him in Boston. He goes to San Diego because Jed was there, and they do that trade for Adrian Gonzalez. Theo trades him to to Jed. Yeah, to Jed, and then they get unified, and they bring him right back immediately, and they were right about him. Because right. he, was, he was bad early on in San Diego, and people were like, uh-oh, is this not going to work? No. He they was were really right. bad. Yeah, it was really bad. So it like they, them being right about him right. In, reinforced their confidence. Ho- Hoyer, Epstein's been right about Epstein and McLeod. Hoyer been right about um, him tw- twice. Okay, They drafted him, and then they traded for him. But Hoyer has been right about him three <laughs> times. Right? Yeah. Even McLeod. Yeah. McLeod was there, too. Mm-hmm. Those two were right about him three times. Yeah. Um, Kenny Williams, by the way, has been right about Gio Gonzalez now four times. Four times. And and counting. <laughs> uh, you know, the White Sox one, it's, it's amazing when you think about it. I think it's got to be. Who our caller on line three, Mike in Northbrook, brings up. I think it's I think it's unequivocal. Well, let's bring him in, Mike in Northbrook. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. What's up? One, one, one of the most overlooked players in in Chicago in my lifetime. I've been following the team since '59. Is, is Jose Abreu? I mean, his numbers. I'll give you that Rizzo is probably a better fielder. His numbers actually are, and Rizzo's numbers are are, are great. Abreu's numbers are actually better. And I got news for you. This guy's going to continue this for a few years. He's going to be part of this uh, resurgence, and he's going to be a, a central part with all the Cuban players coming in the leadership role. 
So it's, without a doubt, Jose Abreu, you'd probably agree with me. I just don't know why the guy is, is so overlooked. And I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a real good reason why. And you, and yeah. I can't argue with you. I cannot argue with your points, but I can tell you why he's been ignored because he's played six years, Matt, with the Chicago White Sox on teams that were all under five hundred inconsequential games. Just about every single yeah. one of them. So they've never. He's never played yep. a quote unquote important game. In his career. There has never been a reason for the national baseball people to say, can't wait to watch Jose Abreu in this particular game. Right. Never once. Right. And that that carries a lot of weight. You know, you just, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's outstanding. Yes, he's mm-hmm. everything you want. But the games haven't been very important. Well, there's one other option for White Sox player of the decade. He's not here any longer. But let's go to Ron it, in the south side to make the it's case. It's not Drake LaRoche. No, but I see where you're going. Yes, you know what? I, 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 I was leaning towards Abreu, but I have to go with Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers and consistency of Abreu, the last caller made some good points. I don't think he's ever been like maybe like in the top five in MVP. Conversely, um, Chris Sale, you know, has, you know, pretty much close sometimes, you know, Cy Young picture. And again, guys, you just mentioned it wasn't a – must-see situation with Abreu. Uh, with Chris Sale, yep. you want to see Chris Sale. And lastly, just based on the overall um, value. You all remember we were talking about possible trades for Abreu. It just never really seemed to have been a market out there. Mm. Um, but with Chris Sale, look who we got back. Yep, We got back two possible key That's players moving to the future. Point. So, again, That's a good it's, point. it's real tight, but I'll go with Chris Sale. Thanks, guys. Thanks, and, thanks, and, um, yeah, and he was also, uh, Matt, thanks thanks again, and happy holidays to you. Um, he was also from the very beginning of the decade. Yeah, to, to 2010, yep. right away, in that draft – and then used as a reliever late in that season, right, right away. Yep. So he's here the whole time, and it's an excellent point about Moncada and Kopech. The yeah. legacy continues all the way through. Yeah, a- absolutely. Hopefully, it's already panning out to be. It's already panned out to be a great trade for Boston. Okay, they won and a it, World Series. It, it, he got the it, final out. It can be, and it's getting to the point with Moncada's great year last year uh-huh. that it's going to be. A fantastic trade for the Chicago White Sox as well. All right, so Sale and Abreu won two for the White Sox. Canerco somewhere further down the line. Is there a position player ahead of Canerco who you would consider who was here for long enough, or is still here and is getting better? I mean, Tim Anderson well, Tim gets Anderson mentioned. Comes to mind, at but you know, it's, it's it's been late in the decade, correct? You know, so I I don't know if his his impact will probably be felt, you know, much stronger in the next decade. Where do you have Alexei Ramirez on your list? He, I mean, he I mean, was a very good player, a very good player for a long time. Yes, he was. And just sometimes brilliant I defensively. I don't know. You know, I'm, I mean, you have to have Quintana on that list. Yes, you do. You know, but but if, if I can stay on Alexei for a second, it's part of your Cuban connection before Abreu even gets here. Abreu might not choose you. If if Alexei's relationship yeah, good, good does, point. does not exist, yeah, very good point. You know, it it it, it was the Cuban connection, but yep. uh, I would say you know important, but certainly not in my top two or three. Yeah, I would say top two or three, but I yeah. I'd say in their top five. Quintana, yes, uh, Quintana has a run of, of excellence um, and, and just such a solid, solid career with the White Sox. It's amazing. Like, you know, would you say he's going to make the top 10 for the Cubs? <laughs> no, I would not. 
in the, his uh, in this decade? three plus years? No, yeah. no, I would not. He was important enough for them to trade some uh, very outstanding young talent. Uh, at the time, at time it, it yeah. seemed sensible. I mean, he look has he delivered being the number three slash four that you expected him to be for the Cubs? Not for me, no, no, not at all. Not just based on last year no. where he fizzled in the last month of the season. No, I, I, I don't. Well, mm. no, because I don't think I don't think you trade those two prospects in that particular moment of your window for a guy you're accepting to have as the ceiling yeah. be a three. I mean, yeah, he, he was. You're, a, you're trading for a guy who you think could be. Could give you a great dominant start every once in a while when you need well, it. Well, in seventeen, when they they got him, um, he was uh, extremely valuable for them to get to the playoffs, mm. and he was a, a very important pitcher. Uh, he's been an average to a little above average pitcher uh, for them. Maybe not worth the cachet down the line, but certainly they needed him at that point. Peoria Matt via text says that uh, Quintana's contract was the most valuable part of that deal. No doubt. And and Rick Hahn gets a tremendous amount of credit for the sale contract yep. and the Quintana contract to make them affordable for the White Sox and extremely infor- affordable to give up those extra prospects when they had to trade them. This is Crawley in Wrigleyville on the score on Inside the Clubhouse. What's up, Crawley? How are you? Hey, gentlemen, how are you doing? Um, you know, I think obviously with uh, the Cubs, it has to be Anthony Rizzo, and it was just from an offensive perspective, from a defense perspective, just from the clubhouse, and then it was just right that he ended the 108-year drought with the ball in his glove. But I also want to kind of give credit to my guy, Miguel Montero. Uh, he had, you know, two of the biggest hits in that 2016 postseason run, mm-hmm. the Grand Slam and NLCS Game 1, that uh, if he doesn't hit that Grand Slam, we may be, you know, still still waiting to break that curse. And the what ended up being the deciding run in Game 7 of the World Series. So, you know, I, I always have special love for Miggy, obviously, but, you know, it's clear that it has to be Anthony Rizzo as the best player of the decade. I, I think so. I, I think it is Rizzo. I don't think Montero you know, not, we makes my even, top ten. We haven't even touched on Chris Bryant. Uh, I, well, <laughs> I think Bryant is right there with Rizzo. You could say Bryant at, at two Bryant or Baez. three. Yeah, Baez, uh, certainly. How about Ben Zobrist? How about the importance of what Ben Zobrist brought to the table as a leadoff guy, as a veteran, as a a jack-of-all-trades, and, oh, by the way, the game-winning RBI in the World Series. And then Contreras and his contributions from the middle of 2016 on. Uh, How about about Kyle Hendricks, the level of importance for Kyle Hendricks? You've got... You've got a lot of guys who are who are going to be a part of the legacy of this kind of decade. Tony Kemp. Uh, <laughs> um, how about Schwarber? I know a disappointment for large parts of this this run and, and a demotion mixed in there, but don't forget the postseason heroism in 2015 and the right. unbelievable comeback in 2016 but to get in the World Series. We are talking player of the decade. Yeah, it's not those guys. No. But it's good conversation, yeah, and it gets us closer to uh, our, our next break. <laughs> there is no break. Oh, that's Th- right. This Hour of the Score is brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. And PropSwap is where America buys and sells legal sports bets. This is your break. Before you make your next bet, be sure to check out PropSwap.com to see what's up for sale. Guaranteed better odds than any local bookie can offer all season long. PropSwap customers have been snatching up 200-to-1. Yes, 200-to-1 Lamar Jackson to win MVP tickets. Now, 
those tickets are just about ready to cash. Go to PropSwap.com right now to find which long shot is up for sale next. Find the best odds in the world right now on PropSwap.com. So the worst deals of the decade for the Cubs and Sox. Oh, boy. I think it's easy. I think it's easy. Tatis in San Diego and uh, LeMayhew. Uh, for Ian Stewart. For Ian Stewart. LeMayhew yeah. for Ian Stewart is yeah. just horrific. It yeah. really is. But, you know, it, it, it didn't really get to the horrific stage until much later. But it, it was bad. I don't know. Ian Stewart was a complete and utter bust. Yeah. And and, and the dismissal of, of LeMayhew, because philosophically you didn't want that bat. You wanted more slug when you pretty quickly ended up with so much slug and you needed guys like that. You had to go out and spend for Fowler. And then after Fowler left, you're looking for other guys right. you can spend for. But I mean, he, you he, wasn't exactly. a, he wasn't a finished product when he went to Colorado. For sure he wasn't. Right. For sure. So but, the, the, proje- the projections oh, were off. Yeah. But, they, you know, the two of their best players are still Jim Hendry guys. And Baez yep. and, and yep. Contreras. But, but you know. Uh, and LeMayu is another. But you give McLeod and the Cubs credit for developing them. Because they had to be developed after they were signed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You, um, you, do, you do give them props for that. Easy to pick apart things that didn't work out. Uh, so many, so much more that those great trades and uh, some of those signings that the Cubs made to complete uh, their run at a World Series championship and four years in a row in the playoffs and three NLCS appearances, which is something that's never been done by another Chicago team. Those those things are out there for everybody to watch as well. The thing about Fernando Tatis um, Jr. is is that if that move doesn't happen, they never do the full-on gear switch. Like, that was the instigator that they looked at that after James Shields came here and was a disaster. And Rick Hahn eventually said, we are mired in mediocrity. And they went up and talked to Jerry and convinced him to switch the gear. No, that I'm that not, was the one. I'm not sure because um, – not sure I agree with you because Tatis at the time was, uh, what, 19 years old. So they might have had a look and say, hey, Tatis isn't coming for three years. We better start going the same direction of young people around him rather than uh, continually trying to win that particular season. So it might, might have happened anyway. Bruce, as we wrap up here on Inside the Clubhouse and 670 The Score, a lot of people have been texting and wondering why this Chris Bryant grievance is taking so long. I saw a tweet from Evan Drylick who um, had passed on that – um, and and Evan, Evan Drylick, who covers um, baseball for The Athletic out of New York, had passed on that a ruling in Chris Bryant's service time grievance will come in the new year. Unclear if it will be as soon as January. Hundreds of pages need to be sorted through by arbitrator Mark Irvings. This is taking so long. It, it's just so unfortunate that the timing of it wouldn't mean anything very much if the Cubs weren't uh, seriously considering moving Brian along and that they were sitting and talking about a contract extension six, seven years for Chris Bryant. But that is not the case. Yeah, I'll go so far as to say that they had made the decision late in the year or just after the year, all right, this would be the guy to trade because he's going to make $18 million and he's got the most value for all those things we've discussed. And And right now they're frozen from doing it. And and more importantly, they've tried to sign him in off-seasons before. Yes, yes. We so don't know. That. We don't know the exact numbers, and we don't know. Uh, you know that Chris 
and Boros are right or wrong. It's immaterial. It's just we are where we're, where we are right now with yes. the situation. Yeah, I, I, and and that is the Cubs don't think they can sign him to a long term deal, and they have to get the optimum amount out of him with two years left on his contract. And you can't do that if you don't know if he's got two years left or one year left. And apparently, it's still conceivable that he could end right. up with one year left. But but also the marketplace has been so erupting, you know, with the fact that you have now Arenado added possibly into the mix of another third baseman. Donaldson's still out there with four teams vying for him on a four-year contract. So I think we're going to have a finality to Donaldson before our next show, before Christmas. And I think you're going to see a huge wave of signings before Tuesday as well as we get to the holiday season. Let's hope for that. I'm on the air a bunch this week on The Score, uh, Tuesday and Thursday. I know you're on the air as well on I'm Wednesday. I'm on uh, yeah, Wednesday morning and Thursday morning there uh, it is. with uh, Steve Rosenblum and then uh, with Mike Esposito. People can follow me on Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine, on our website, 670thescore.com. I write Sox and Cubs all of the time. Matt? I will see you next week. Have a good holiday. Have a great holiday, everybody. Thanks to Ted Simmons and Alex Avila and Zach Withers. NFL football is next on The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.